This is the Sensei Said So Show. I am your Sensei Vio Sensei, 36 Dread Kage of the Music Clan, 10th Tribe of Wakanda, forever, forever, ever, and forever, ever. And before he gone, y'all already know it's Shadow the Gold Tooth Villain, leader of the Water Nation. If y'all with me again, pull your double cuts up two times, cause you know we got ours in the booth here. And this episode, every episode is special, but this episode we gonna call it special, special. Where did that start? Where did the saying something twice make it more of a thing? I don't know. <laughs> Trends are weird. Black Twitter, probably. Black Twitter starts everything. <laughs> but this episode is the special, special episode yeah. of the Sensei Said So show because this is the first episode of season six. Yeah, y'all can applaud mm-hmm. unless you're driving. Keep your hands on the wheel. But everybody else, go ahead and clap up. Go ahead and double cup and pull up. And you know you need to have that distillery 36 in your cup. Whoa. Shout out to Surreal Art. They're making moves, winning awards. So you need to make sure you support them and support us by pouring that up. And 801 Customs. Make sure y'all check out the website, 801customs.com. They do have all this sports apparel, all your uh, racing sports apparel you guys need. And like we said, shout out to AMR because... We've had partnered with Australian Musicians Radio, so we we're broadcasting out there. So much love to all of our Australian listeners, all the Melbourne listeners, all everybody out there. We have some special music that we are gonna play for y'all straight yes. from the down under. Down under. Yeah, down, down under. So. You know, we love y'all <laughs> and we're gonna give y'all more of what y'all need here on this episode. So welcome to season six. I love where we're coming with the music clan. And as I look back to season one, two, three, four, five. And I look at all the things we wanted to do, and season six, I think, is the beginning of us doing exactly that. So one of the things you've wanted to do and you've just come off of is, well, actually, you're still in the midst of it. Yeah, You are gracing, uh, gracing us with your presence. <laughs> that's why we haven't given you an episode in a little bit. People been busy. One of the people that's been busy is Shadow on the yeah. season's tour. Tell us a little bit about traveling state to state, yeah. coast to coast. Yeah, for, for those of you that haven't been uh, tapped in, Make sure you do follow me at Shadow underscore Nation. Shadow no, no W. Y'all know what it is. Um, but, yeah, that's on Instagram. That's on Facebook. And we started the tour, you know, summer season tour, the summer season album we dropped last year. So we had to do the promo for it, got every, all the videos and everything out the way. And now this summer we were finally got all the bookings available to hit the tour. We hit Idaho. We've hit... Um, San Diego. San Diego. We've hit Las Vegas, and then we got another show, and then we've been we've been back home. We were just at the complex, so that was a great one with the Dizzy Wright. So shout out to everybody there. Shout that, out to all the new people listening in that met us and showed us love yes. and bought us drinks, bought us six foot Coronas. <laughs> Jeez. It was all love in the city, and it feels good to like you know off off a road trip through a couple of cities where you're new, you know you're the new talent in town. Everybody's like, oh. You know, he's like, who are you? Let me get your contact with the do all that. You come back home, and it's all love. Hey, can I get your autograph? Hey, let's get some pictures. But let's... what did you not have when people asked <laughs> you for an autograph? I had my Sharpie, man. Now I got to keep me a music clan Sharpie. I didn't know. 
So Music Clan Sharpie on the way. Let's go. <laughs> We're partnering with Sharpie. Speak it into existence on season six. So I can give y'all, so I can, you know, so I can give y'all the little. The little autograph, but yeah, no, we're we're never we're never shy to take pictures, or autographs with fans. You know, we love all the support, especially in the home city. So it really like don't be shy, come up to us, say hi, say you know I, I listen to you guys' podcast, your music, I love what you guys are doing with the city. You know, so that being said, it's been a journey, man. I've been tired, I've been exhausted, low key. How has it been? They talk about tour life being a little bit different. What <laughs> what's been your experience? It's 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 crazy because it's like. You do, you travel, you travel hella hours, and then you get there, and you have not that much time to get shit in order, get ready, go do your, they'll go play a show, network, you know. Then you got to hop on back to on a plane or back in the whip and drive to another city that you got to get there early so you can network, uh, promo, do the show, head to the next city. So it's like a budget. That's why you got, it's important to space out your shows on your tour and some you you can't always you can't always be at every show you know sometimes things get in the way and if you're traveling too far you know situations won't play out like they like they intend to but when they do it's so much love and 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 it's just a great feeling that when you branch out and and your art reaches places that you never thought you'd reach, you know, you never thought you'd go. And now you have a fan base and you've laid down roots and now we can go back anytime. All right. those tour stops that we went can't wait for us to go back. So it's like it's a connection. <laughs> it's a connection, it you know, to you in order to not be local anymore, y'all gotta not be local anymore. Get the fuck up and out. <laughs> y'all just gotta go. Straight like Whether that. Whether it be your feet, your rollerblades, your longboard, your car, your these electric scooters, everybody. These electric, you know, through the city. You in. might have to put about five bills in there to get you across state lines, but that gonna go. It's gonna go. So, like you guys <laughs> know here at Music Clan, we're always talking about growth and expansion, and you see that we're trying to practice what we preach. While we got the music side coming, we've also brought in two voices that you guys have heard on previous episodes that are now gonna come on a little bit more regularly as content creators and content yes. writers with the Music Clan. If you haven't seen already, the dojo is available for people that are serious and want membership. So please message us, DM us for more information on that because we're kingmakers over here and we want to help you have a platform for your creativity to show so you can go back to your tribe and let them know, hey, I have something for y'all to digest and marinate. And that's what we have for you guys on episode one, uh, episode one of season six. It's crazy to even say, like, even when I was about to say it, I was like, whoa. Is this about to come out of my mouth? Is this where we're at? Episode one of season six. Again, Game of Thrones was only eight seasons, guys. We're right there. (laughs) And on this episode, we have an amazing guest. We have a lot of great guests, but this guest is very, very special to me. I actually set this up like two months ago, and it just we had to wait for the right time to bring this guest in. He's a busy guy. He's a very talented guy. I'm going to tell you more once we listen to our first song from Down Under, a special track from Australia. So special that we're going to kick it off on the first song of the first episode of season six. From the Down Under. Is irrelevant, it doesn't matter who I'm better than. Competition got a bitter like a peppermint. I don't even care about the accolades or sentimental things. I just do it for myself, for the recognition. Spot the difference, all these motherfuckers listen to the same song. I already heard that shit. 
Go figure, all these motherfuckers dance to the same beat. That shit burns my ass. I dance with burning spears from now until eternity. Yeah, that's my word right there. These bars I scribe with murder ink. I want one million dollars. All I got is 50 cents. This shit don't make no sense. At least I'm so ghetto rich. Yeah. Now call me Yaya, just like my homies. When I met my name in this industry, all my homies, the only ones that know me. And that's my will and that's my motives. For the future and that's for the old me. If my head get big when the record hits, will you remind me of where my homies stack them footage, smoke them rollers? You can tell I'm in my zone. Streets I'm roaming. These dreams, they seem so real. I sleep with one eye open and one eye closed. And show it must go on. So you should lack no focus. Telling y'all we hit a seal. That show we ain't no one trick bonus. We ain't no one trick bonus. We ain't no one trick bonus. Telling y'all we hit a seal. That show we ain't no one trick bonus. We ain't no one trick bonus. We ain't no one trick bonus. Telling y'all we hit a seal. That show we ain't no one trick bonus. Better settle on it. I'll be carving my niche, took a little time, but I'm fine in my feet. Spit a little vinyl, kick a little free, better go tribal, Vinny Vici, yeah. Clap along if you're feeling this. If you don't, then take the piss off. Take it with a grain of salt, bottle of tequila, bowl of coke. Yeah. Had a mold up around me. In this mode, I was sinking, drowning. Then I rose up, I'm a ghost daddy. Try to turn my Corolla to a natty. Making amends, set ablaze with a pen and a pen. Was amazed by the talent within 12 hour days, then the rapping begin. Bit of riddling, lack the focus. Trying to be winks, no nagging knows it. Telling y'all we here to steal that show. We ain't no one trick ponies. We ain't no one trick ponies. We ain't no one trick ponies. Telling y'all we here to steal that show. We ain't no one trick ponies. We ain't no one trick ponies. We ain't no one trick ponies. Telling y'all we here to steal that show. We ain't no one trick ponies. Better settle on it. We ain't no one trick ponies. Better settle on it. Welcome back to the Sensei Stetso Show. Season six. That was six One Trick tricks. Pony by Duo Duo, spelled J-U-O-J-U-A-O, because I have not yet been versed in Australian alphabet. I will soon. Give me some time. Very yes. cultured. We're practicing. <laughs> Mark, the editor, he's been taking his phonetics classes. Got Almost got an A. <laughs> so we're getting prepared to pronounce everything coming from down under. Uh, yeah. But, and, and every song, every every song that we keep playing, that we keep getting sent, is good music. It gets better and better every time. I, I'm really enjoying listening now to what they're going to send us. You know, it's, 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 it's interesting how different dialects and slang and, and accents all come together under one genre or under one, you know, music. It's almost group. like if instruments had their own ethnicity. Where you know? it's like, oh, this is a 
this is a trumpet, but then this is a Spanish trumpet, and this is a Mongolian trumpet. And they they all sound the same, but they got their own little twang and tweak to it and stuff like that. So it's really dope to hear. I like hearing the reach that hip-hop has. Yes. Where hip-hop culture, something that started in the streets of New York, something that was integral to the black community, has now transcended all of that. And it has become pop culture. Yeah. And that's why when people ask what this show is, the Sensei Said So show is society and hip-hop culture. Exactly. Because that's everything. And make sure y'all check out senseisaidso.com where you guys can find all the content, all the past episodes, all the music, too. Make sure you guys tune in to AMR, Australians Musicians Radio. Yes. Download the app. Uh, if you guys will, we air live. You did, yeah. You listened to us I, live. Yeah, yeah, was, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I, I tuned in. It, it um, they'll air around U.S. time or I guess Mountain time. It's about two, two or three a.m. So um, for those American listeners in the in the, in the U.S. or that are around that time zone, we don't uh, know where y'all. Yeah, listening. <laughs> we don't know where y'all listening from, and I can't account for all of y'all time zones. I really can't. I didn't. I didn't, I didn't study enough. Okay, but that being said, eight hundred one customs. You can check out the website for that sponsor too. Um, we gonna need to take the back wall and just put like eleven clocks on it, so we could be like, oh yeah, Tokyo listeners is three thirty five. This when it drops. This when it drops. But if you guys, yeah, if you guys uh, follow us on our social media and download that the app and follow uh, AMR. They will let you know in plenty of time when the episodes are going to air. And if you miss it there, you can always check it out on the website, fellas so and ladies. So make sure you guys all tune in with us. Please. That being said, now we have a special guest we would love to introduce to y'all because, Sensei, you've been trying to set this up for a little second now. I have been <laughs> because you guys here at the Sensei Said So Show and all the listeners, we've grown together. And so what I've tried to do is I've tried to bring people that helped me grow in my past, and now I want to bring them on the show so we can kind of have this reminiscent moment. And the man we have on the Sensei Said So show today is somebody that you may not know, but if you don't know, you're bugging. Because not only is he a performer, a producer, a musician, but he's also shaped and helped a lot of the people who are making music and making an impact for me to Key One, to Christelle. Shout out to Christelle down in Atlanta. Shout out to Devon doing his thing at the well. A lot of people who are now starting to make an impact in the community were impacted and our seeds were got water and nutrients from the guests we have today. So I wouldn't be the artist I am if it wasn't for Izzy Smith. Ooh, what's good, hey. Izzy? How you doing, man? Izzy Smith, how, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm just I'm blessed. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be on the show. I'm happy to yeah. be on a platform that yeah. allows free thinking and allows for just open conversation, man. Welcome home. You like the dojo? Oh, I love it. I love it. I love being amongst my brotherhood. Yeah, I love this. Perfect. So for the people that don't know, because as you just heard, we got people listening from all over. Tell them a little bit about what you do, what you stand for, and whatever else you want them to know about you. I always have a hard time describing myself, but if I had to describe myself, the one thing I always kind of point to is that I'm a soul musician who happens to play jazz. A soul musician who happens um, to play jazz. Yes, sir. Referring to that not every jazz player has soul in their music. Well, just that, you know, when people categorize the different genres of music, you know, some people, they say soul, some people, they say jazz, some people say acid jazz. Me personally, I feel like all music has soul to some degree. But when you're talking about that special sort of 
I don't know, blue cord or blue note or so that special kind of seasoning on, on, a, on a certain okay. type of music that gives it a certain spark, a certain flavor. I kind of do that. Okay. So, <laughs> so, the spirit behind the music. Spirit. Where does that yes, come sir. from? Where do you get your soul from? Um, it sounded very dark. Like, where'd you get your soul from? <laughs> I bought th- it from Lucifer. <laughs> I think that um, it's just a byproduct of 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 just my upbringing. You know, what I grew up in, what I came through. Um, I came through. You know as you did, as we did. I mean, we came up through the, the black church, but not just the black church, our, our black families, you know, growing up hearing the conversations that we heard from our elders, our, our uncles, our aunts, our grandmas, you know, things that they talked about, even food that they cooked, you right. know, mm-hmm. um, just those sort of little minuscule things that you take for granted growing up is just part of your experience. They kind of all feed into what you become later on in life, I believe. It's really interesting that you bring that up because as me and Shadow were driving to the dojo today, we were kind of talking about those experiences that formulate you and help you grow to who you are. And I was thinking about the very black experience I had in a not very black community. Mm. And one of the things that helped me understand that is we ended up talking about Juneteenth a little bit. Mm. And everyone's like, oh, we should start celebrating Juneteenth. And I looked at it and I was like, unbeknownst to me, I've been celebrating Juneteenth all my life. I've been to 14 <laughs> Juneteenth celebrations. Right. Right. And it all comes back to like what you're saying, the experiences that in the moment we don't really think about. But as you look back on it, these are the, the moments that cultivated us. Right. So you mentioned that you grew up in the black church. Specifically, we're talking about Calvary Baptist Church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah which has had an impact on a lot of our lives, but also the impact on Utah and Salt Lake City culture. So you guys have heard me talk about it. So I'm going to ask you, Izzy, what has Calvary's impact been on Salt Lake City and Utah from your perspective? I think that Calvary is one of the black churches that it's not totally a black church, but it's built on sort of the uh, Afro-American religious experience. And if it's something that you've never grown up in or been accustomed to, it's a place where you can go see that happen in something of a way that some people are somewhat familiar with just you know, by virtue of what you've seen in maybe films and a couple Tyler TV Perry. shows. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Tyler Perry is kind of like the nth degree of <laughs> what is it, she is, he, is, it, is it when ladies in tilted big hats yeah. standing up and, and yeah. Why is their hat? Turning <laughs> cartwheels in the front of, yeah. Remember when people used to do laps? I don't know if they still Yo. do, but we got a big church and people used to <laughs> do laps. Yo, my aunt used to like, because my aunt was a, is a singer and she used to like start at the front of the church with the Mic, and yes. then by the end of the song, she was in the back row, no mic, but you could hear her in the back row because she was projected toward the front. Like she would go, she'd go ham and eggs, man. Like, everybody, every everybody in the church be acting like Martin Lawrence's mama from Martin. Yeah. But I think Calvary had a huge impact on all our upbringing because it was just for us, it was home. It was, or at least for right. me, it was home. It wasn't just a church; it was home. It was like. Um, you know, issues that you couldn't talk about in your everyday life being, first of all, a black kid, regardless of gender, uh, growing up in Utah, that's a whole other get down. Like, I, I don't think people, other get down. <laughs> I don't think people relate to how it is to grow up black in, you know, a predominantly other society, you know, right. and then to have a place where you can come and just be you, you know, and kind of 
get immersed in your culture in a different way than maybe you can't on the outside. I think that was just tremendous for me because it, it allowed it me to be me, you know? It is. Right. It's it's really important. And, and not only just for, for you or, or for our generation, but for slavery, slave descendants, for, for um, all types of outcast religious groups that were, you know, that weren't mainly Catholic or mainly Muslim, you know, part of the world-renowned religions. Totally. They had that same issue, you know? Right. You might have been in a place where your family might not have believed in what the majority of the people in that place believe in, so you can't really fit in, but you need somewhere to seek refuge. You right. need somewhere to seek solace with your own right. people. And, and and so that's the beauty about, you know, places like Baptist Church Calvary and and, and different churches in the in the South that really bring people together. It's not only black people, you know. Right. There's there's Asian churches that do that same thing. There, right. There's white churches that have, you know, have their guidelines that they stick by. The LDS Church right. is one of the one of those things, you know. For for the LDS Church here, if you come here wanting to be a part of this church, this is the the greatest situation you could be in, you right. know. Totally. That that being said, I want to I want to kick it back to you because there's also the flip side yeah. of all that because <clears throat> black people in particular, our religion was essentially forced upon us, right? And then it was accepted, and then we rendered it, it exactly and then we rendered, rendered it, it rendered it our own <laughs> and, and, and made it what, what it is yeah. today for for us yeah. my question for you and i'll go to sensei too because he grew up in the church too you guys are both right. religious i'm not so as religious as you guys so understand that i am coming from a slightly ignorant standpoint <laughs> but it's from a spiritual standpoint yeah. okay that yeah. being said do you see the 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 confrontation that people have with worshiping uh saying jesus is this race or jesus is that race or jesus isn't this race or jesus isn't that race you know and then there's the other side where they say jesus has no race Mm -hmm. you know or god has no race i want to know your perspective on how you see it relatable to the to you as a as a person as an actual human instead of your internal life your personal life how does the image of you know, Lord and Christ in your religion portray? Well, that's a loaded question. Um, sure. It goes. <laughs> sure, damn well, sure. I mean, well, when you're talking about how the, the, the blacks experience in America, mm-hmm. our main, our main issue I feel has been that we have never had. Oh, I won't say we've never had, but it's seldom that we have images of the paragon of sort of black American virtue that we could live up to. I mean, we got Dr. King, we got Malcolm X, we've got, uh, you know, Sojourner Truth. We got certain figures that we can look to, but when it comes to the concept of God, yeah, you know, that's a loaded question. But what's interesting about that is, is that uh, my favorite quote is uh, about this is from Marcus Garvey. And if you know anything about Garvey, Garvey was probably like the grandfather of the modern civil rights movement in America. Right, every leader puts every leader that after him stands on Garvey's shoulders. And one of the things Garvey said was the real God don't have no color. Right. But if he has to have one, he better look like you. Hmm. And what's interesting is when you when you really break that down. I mean, first of all, let's let's just let's just throw some (laughs) I was ready to what? (laughs) Let's just throw some historical context on it because I loved I loved it. I love to hear it when people say, 
well, Jesus was Jewish. And I'm like, yeah, but that's not talking about his ethnicity. That's talking about his religion. That's talking mm-hmm. about what he practiced. As a Jew, he, he practiced Judaism, but that's not what he was. He was Hebrew. And then if you're talking about what Hebrew is, then you got to go like back to Genesis 11. And I'm not going to get into all the detail of Genesis 11. But basically, if you go back to Genesis 11 and you read that thing down and just do some critical thinking in your head, you can kind of come to a consensus about uh, what ethnically was going on in the minds of the, of the Hebrew people who collected these books and these stories that were really passed down through oral tradition before they ever got written yes. down okay. about who they were. And so I think that it is important in some ways to see ourselves reflected in the God that we, that we worship. First of all, God is bigger than any, any human being's mm-hmm. uh, ability, I believe, to get a handle on it. Right. It's human hubris that we've made God. Exactly. Right. But, but, uh, we, but we do that. We, we, have, we to. have to do. Humans have to do that. We, we add human traits to everything. Mm-hmm. Right. Oh, that bear is so cuddly. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> told you bears cuddle. <laughs> but if, if God, you know, you have to be able to see God within yourself. You have to if 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 there's going to be a human society that has a moral center and a moral compass that has to come from something, and you have to be able to like reflect that back, you know, or something has to reflect that back to you. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Why have morality? I mean, we might as well be out there shooting each other, robbing each other, and we do. <laughs> yes. I mean, this, this, this Lord knows, we, Lord knows, we do. But there's always that check and balance that says, "Wait a minute, that ain't the way." You know, this ain't the way to do this. Okay. And I have, and I have, a, and I have another question for you. That I'm about to follow up with you. Sure. But I do want to get to Sensei's perspective because Sensei, you also have children that you have to raise under certain morals and under certain religious uh, views because of how you were raised. This is correct. So I do want to know your point of view on on this. It is, uh, and Killer Mike, who did a great piece on Netflix with the, the trigger warning documentary, and he touched on a lot of different things. And I love the question and the way you positioned it because Christianity has done a lot for oppressed people. For people in oppressed situations, nobody, even if you just look at the way people worship, nobody worships harder in Christianity than people that use Christianity to get through their oppression. Mm -hmm. And the concepts and things like that have been very therapeutic, especially for the black and brown community. Like, We've talked a lot about the black experience, but shout out to all my Latinos and Latinas out there. Like, nobody sees God in their food more than y'all. <laughs> Yo. So it's like you have so much therapy in religion, but then you also look at the situations that the concept of religion has caused. Because Christianity has, one of, has been one of the biggest detriments to humanity because it's been misused. So my job as a parent is to find the balance because there's good and bad in everything, but I want to find the balance of, hey, you need the spirituality of Christianity. You don't necessarily need the religion of it because for me personally, the religion is what is the human aspect of the spirituality that's supposed to be Christianity. This is where we get into the rules. This is where we get into the hierarchies. This is where we get into the power. This is where we get into Creflo Dollar's $6 million jet. (laughs) (laughs) which do you think get a jet i feel it but for me personally it's like i want and in my household i want us to have a a good separation of 
this is your spirituality and this is the side of you where you're developing your personal relationship with God through these parameters that we're using to understand God. Mm. But then all the religion and everything that comes with the rules and the punishment. Because I look at Eastern philosophy and there's never a punishment. Right. Let's go back to when we're like in school. You have two different classes. You have a class where you start with an F and you have to earn an A. And then you have those teachers that when you walk in, they go, hey, everybody has 100% right now. It's up to you to keep it. And then for you, it's like, oh, I'm good. I just need to maintain. And if I do bad, it's, it's messing with my peace and my harmony, not necessarily I'm getting bound to damnation <laughs> for not following X, Y, and Z right. and these different rules. Because that's where the confusion comes in, and that's where I feel like the argument and where people have the ability to start poking holes in Christianity. That's where my disconnect comes. That's is exactly. The disconnect of the religious and the God side of it versus the human aspect of it. It's essentially having consequences for a situation you know not yet of, you know. I I don't quite yet understand the grasp of, uh, or I have not fully grasped the understanding of this full religious or full religion or this full religious experience. However, if I am bound to it by their rules, even though I know it or not, I can still be damned by my by my actions. And that's hard. One of the things to understand about early Christianity, and um, and I, I have these conversations all the time with my own family, but one of the things I wish the church would focus more on as we move through time is you gotta you gotta focus more on the teachings of Jesus. And I'm not saying take the focus off of his life, death, resurrection, or none of that. But what I am saying is while you're thinking about all of that, like go and actually read what he, what he said, what he actually taught. Right. Because there's uh, what Christians don't do enough of is studying esoterics, studying the higher consciousness, consciousness mm-hmm. of the teachings within the Bible. For instance, they are most Christians. I don't believe are aware that Jesus taught in a parable about what the main sort of thing human beings ought to be doing is seeking knowledge. And he did it by a simple parable ask. Mm. And the, and when you read that passage, um, it says, you know, asking you shall receive seeking, you shall find knock and the door shall be open. A S K ask. Mm. Right. But then you look at religion and what religion has done is it's taken that and they've said, Hey, asking questions and a population that asks questions is hard to control. So they discourage questions because, hey, believe this or you'll die. Ask God. But uh, uh, the, the teachings of Jesus were the complete opposite. And that's where I say, like, Jesus wasn't Christian. Right. Christians are people who have taken what this man has done, what the Son of God has done, and they're going, hey, we're going to follow what we think of what you did. Versus actually just, and what he was encouraging everybody, because when he left and his disciples asked him, if you pass over, what are we supposed to do? And he's like, I've given you guys yeah, right. the power. <laughs> right. You have it. So when your 18-year-old comes to my house with a white shirt and a black tie talking about, hey, I want to give you the power of God, it's like, well, I thought God already gave me. Well, then, in fact, I'll go you <laughs> one bad. further. I'll go you one further. Jesus in his earthly life, never gave his disciples anything uh, but what was already there. Because if you study what he said, he said, you know, when they were asking him, when, when is the kingdom of God coming? He said, 
search as you will, you're not going to see it because it's not some tangible mm. thing that you mm. can put your hands on. It's within. It starts with you. The kingdom of God is within you. So if the power is already within you, like, for instance, when he did, you know, give his final instructions to his disciples, the only thing that he really said about it is, is I'm sending the Holy Spirit to put you in remembrance of what's already what's already been given you. Already been given. It's already you. there. It's already there. And you talk about what I've done, healing the sick, healing the cripples, unstopping the deaf ears, all of that stuff. You talk about what I did. Jesus himself said, you will do greater than I. Mm-hmm. So, I mean... And I and, and that and, and no, you're on, you're on a great track. And before we we move on from this subject, I do just want to bring to attention missionaries. Yeah. Not specifically LDS missionaries. I know they're they're still famous for it, but <laughs> the, the, the Mormons aren't the only. Yeah, the Mormons are the witnesses. Like, hey, the Mormons hey. aren't the only ones that send they're missionaries out. out. You yeah, know, there's out a, out many other religions 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 that do that right. same thing. I want your guys' perspective on. Is that dangerous or is that compounding the teachings? What we should do is let's use this point in time to take our first break. Mm-hmm. Let's get into one of Izzy Smith's songs. If you want to cue up the first song you want us to listen to, because you gave um, me some dope ones. Yeah, and I, mean, I love the inspiration behind one of these these songs and what you're doing and how it's different than what we usually play. Right. If uh, I could recommend one, I would say Kingdom of Kush because I really like that one. Yeah. But you let us know what you want us to play first in uh, season episode one of season yeah, six. Yeah, if I can maybe just set up Kingdom of Kush a little bit. It's a it was a track that was inspired by Northern Africa. I just had imagery in my head of what it would be like to take a trip through Egypt. Know, to start in the marketplaces of Egypt and then maybe go to like one of the pyramids and go inside one of the darker temples and stuff like that and then emerge on the outskirts of a city or something. So that's what this track is kind of doing. I love that. So let's listen to this track. It's going to be an open canvas for y'all to just be creative. So listen to this song by Izzy Smith, Kingdom of Kush, and we're going to come back to some more on the Sensei Said So show and we're going to answer Shadow's question because this is a fire
Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the Sensei Said So Show. I am your Sensei Vio Sensei, and you are listening to the first episode of Season 6. We got here because of our partners. Shout out to 801 Customs, shout out to Distillery 36 in the Cup, and shout out to AMR, everybody in Australia listening, New Zealand listening. Thank you, thank you. The song you just listened to was our guest, Izzy Smith, Kingdom of Kush. Mm. And as you can hear, this is the soul that he's talking about, that he brings in his music, that I've had the pleasure of listening to my whole life. Yes. Our choir used to kill it. Yeah. Our youth choir <laughs> was in there. infamous. <laughs> voices of praise. The man. voices of praise we used to get uh, down. And it was a large part to Izzy Smith. Some old young rock stars, man. Some old, some old young gospel stars. We talked about it when Key One was here. I think I'm pretty sure it was season four when we talked about. We gave a shout out to Mrs. Peggy and the different people that directed and conducted. Kirk this. Franklin. Okay. You <laughs> You're right though. So before the break, you brought up a very interesting question about missionaries. If you want to give a synopsis of the question you asked, and then yeah. we we'll go ahead and answer that. Yeah, for those for those of you that were weren't uh, tuning in before the break, I had threw a question out about missionaries because we were speaking on religion and how missionaries no matter what the religion is are sending your young uh your young children of the religion out with the teachings that they've grown up with to go out and teach people outside of the religion the teachings and bring them to salvation do you believe that is detrimental because you're essentially forcing them now to live by certain situations that they might not have been living under? Or is it something that you actually believe that, yeah, the, the sending people to save lives is really bringing them salvation because they wouldn't have, have, they wouldn't have found it without us? I think that, uh, once again, if you go back to what Jesus taught about missionary work and how you do missionary work, it can be dangerous when— those individuals' zeal is not tempered by knowledge. And I'm not just talking about knowledge of the scripture. I'm talking about like the everyday knowledge that you acquire in life of how you encounter people, the rules of engagement. Uh, if you notice when Jesus, uh, any story you read about Jesus interacting with people, he always met them where they were and normally at the point of their need. He wasn't out there trying to proselytize people uh just off tops. Like if somebody was hungry, he's giving them bread first because if they're hungry, they can't receive what you're really trying to feed them spiritually because they're more concerned about their, their, their physical need of hunger. Right. So when you're meat, when you, when you feed them the bread, when you give them the drink of water, their ears are open, then you can talk to them. And then when you talk to them, you got to make sure that what you're saying is tempered by understanding where they're at and where you're at. And, meeting on a common ground between the two. If you if you can do that, then I think you can do effective work. But if you're just out there, you know, trying to proselytize people on the basis that you know more than them, it can it can it can cause some problems. Okay. One of the worst things that we do as people is pontification. Getting too preachy, having an agenda and speaking on it before we really know what we are doing or Yo. what we are trying to do. So the reason why I feel like the current setup for missionary work is flawed is because you have people who are trying to lead people to a God they don't understand themselves. Mm. If Ooh, I could geez. re <laughs> if I could redo the current missionary structure for whatever churches do missionaries, 
the goal for your missionary shouldn't be for them to bring other people to God. Their goal should be to go out and find God themselves. Because the concept of traveling to a foreign land, being by yourself, and then stripping yourself of a lot of different wants and desires and, and frivolous needs in order to become closer to God is a good concept. If you look at a lot of religious uh, uh, leaders from the Buddha, Muhammad, Jesus, they all went on some sort of travel. Right. So the idea of it is sound. The problem is it's become a sales thing mm -hmm. rather than an actual religious experience, rather than it being a journey for your young 18, 19, 20-year-old to, hey, go to a different country and go there and learn rather than teach. Because who the fuck are you <laughs> to be teaching anybody anything? Yeah. And then the problem is when these missionaries, because it's not their fault, they're just doing what they think they're supposed to do, they get put in a position where they have to speak to somebody who has taken that journey themselves, and it becomes very obvious that you're somebody who shouldn't be in a position of teaching because you're still learning. That's why it makes no sense that you make somebody go off for two years. Let's. I'm not saying anybody in <laughs> pointing no fingers, no fingers, <laughs> being no names, here. no judgment. <laughs> but let's say you have them go off for 27 months <laughs> to teach, but then they have to go to school to then relearn. Why wouldn't you make that whole process a learning process? Take two years to learn yourself spiritually and then take two years to or how many years to go to school and learn this physical world. But I feel like a lot of time is being wasted because you're actually an agent for marketing rather than an agent for God. Yeah. And and good good final thoughts before we move on. I just want to say I, I agree with you, Sense. I agree with you, too, Izzy. I believe that there just shouldn't be a time constraint on your missionary work. Mm -hmm. I just believe... They there should be like a baseline religious not not necessarily a test but like um a a teaching rubric that if 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 you know all of these teachings soundly and 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 and, and innately now you can go out and teach and preach that being said you go out and preach and teach for as long as you feel like you have you're useful it could be a day it could be a month it could be five years you know. That that's where I feel like then they will understand the journey, their quest. You know, it's not oh, okay. I have two years. Okay, you know, they're in high school. We went to high school with very religious people. They're in high school thinking like, okay, let me hurry up and get all this sinning out the way. Let me get all this heathenness out the way real quick because I'm about to go on my mission for two years. Come back and everything going to be. You know, it's like right. a part of their lifestyle instead of a part of their religious breakthrough. Right. You know, so. and it could be something that's used to catapult them. If it wasn't a mission, it was a quest. Right. Hey, I have to get all this stuff out of my way right now because I'm about to go on my quest because then your quest the the intention of it is not to do anything for anybody else it's to do for self mm -hmm. and that's the thing is everyone's trying to pass a bible out before they even open their own let's figure this out yourself before you try to go and teach other people because it's important that people because people need to be protected you know people if you're going to give them something because we're seeing this in media let's take it away from religion because this was a very dope concept mm -hmm. topic and conversation though kind of heavy, you can do the same thing with media as well. Like we as the black community have been very particular about what kind of media we want to be producing and consuming Sure do because of representation. Mm. And we haven't understood that until we've taken the time, a quest of <laughs> lack of representation. Yes. <laughs> so now that when we come back on the other side of the horizon and we're getting shows like blackish, we're getting the boondocks, hopefully coming back. Yeah. This is a show that when it came out, it was just kind of funny and cool and oh my gosh. But when now that it's gone 
and we've had this quest of this this new black renaissance, we as a community are looking at the boondocks as a necessity. Where are we? This is the guideline here, you know? (laughs) So I think this is a perfect segue. I think all of us have enjoyed and have grown up on the boondocks. I call it the black South Park, the black family guy. (laughs) Because satire has been really important in communities because comedy and humor is how societies deal with difficult conversations. So I'll be the one to position you guys. We'll start with Izzy first. I want to talk to you about what are your feelings on the boondocks coming back or and or how did the boondocks, what's its importance to you and where do you see it coming back in 2019? First of all, I think Aaron Magruder is a genius. Yes. Um, th- that first and foremost. I am a huge fan of the boondocks. Um not just because it's funny, but because I felt like it was the first black created show with black characters that were from all walks of life. Right. See, I was see, I was growing up, I was a black nerd. And I've always felt that black nerds never really got fully addressed. Cause when I was growing up, we had Steve Urkel. That was it. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was all we had. And Steve and Steve Urkel, as he got as he went through the Family Matters things, it 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 we came to kind of find out how smart he really was, but we had to kind of walk it through basically the nerd buffoonery before we could get to his mind. Yeah. But with a show like the boondocks, you had Huey and Huey Freeman is my favorite character. Right. Huey Freeman. Cause you, uh, Huey Freeman is like the black conscience. Mm-hmm. He's the he voice is. of reason. And one of the problems I had with the show as it went on in like seasons two, three, in, into four was that they took the focus off of Yui. And I have to wonder, was there not something going on in the Politically, suits right. higher <laughs> up to say, we got to put the focus on Ruckus. I'm not saying Uncle Ruckus isn't a cool character, but if you don't have Yui to balance out an Uncle Ruckus and to balance out a Riley and a granddad, you don't get the full context of why the black culture functions the way it does. And yes. Yui was like the Greek chorus that could explain sort of the positive side of that. So I feel like if it's coming back, great. Put the focus back on Huey. Right, because I feel like Huey was the microscope for the black community. Huey was our truth teller. Major. <laughs> Huey was the one Major. in the circle saying, and I think back when you were saying that, the first episode that popped to my mind was the Martin Luther King episode. Yeah. yeah. Where when he stands up back. and he's, or even the R. Kelly one, if we want to make it very, the very R. relevant is so right now. Is right. Too relevant. When he stopped and said, what are y'all motherfuckers doing? Right. <laughs> and that's and, a moment that like right. we find ourselves saying to our community, Right now. Right now. I need Huey to talk about Kodak Black. What are your thoughts? Yeah. And and, and I was just about to say Kodak Black, because the one that came to my uh, uh to my attention was the little um the little fat the little fat crazy boy. Uh, Milton La Milton. Oh yeah. <laughs> the episode with La Milton. Cigarettes and do hood rash shit with my, friend. my friends. Cause that's the generation these little these little kids are yeah. now. These little kids are are hype beast, want an internet sensation, little La Milton. Jump, throw Riley off the roof, ass niggas. That's that's. that's we got that's a lot the, of kids. You look in their eyes and you can see the crazy, the crazy in yeah. them. You know, so so I feel like an episode like that. But my thing is, and I love Riley. And Riley Cardi B sounds like Riley to me. She she the way the, yeah, you, her yeah. voice it's really sounds voice. like Riley's the, voice to me. Yo, so that's why I be looking at her so yeah. crazy. I be like. 
<laughs> but it was like Regina King was channeling Cardi B before Cardi B came it's out. It's interesting. Yeah. So those of you that don't that don't funny. make that connection, listen to Cardi B and listen to Riley and see yeah. if y'all can match that up. But the reason I liked Riley's character so much is because Riley was a he was a, a doer. He was like, and he knew he had a brother. He knew he had a brother that was the conscious, right. a brother that read. Like, nigga, you always read. Nigga, you a nerd. <laughs> like, getting, making fun of him for doing stuff right. that's going to better the whole family. <laughs> like, you know, so. Well, I, I yeah. always, I'm sorry. I always felt like if you really broke apart the Freeman family, it was Talk like. Talk about it. I was like, you guys want to say the same thing. Like, Go ahead. So Yui and Riley, and I love, and I like Riley too. Yui and Riley are like the left and right brains of the same mm-hmm. body. Pop culture. And what I felt like Aaron Magruder was trying to say to young black people. Yes. Go for it. Is that, look, you need a conscience. You do. Like Yui, but you also need the drive and the hustle and the work ethic of a Riley. Of a and Riley. if you can ever bring the two together. <laughs> yes. That's an you will t- you will you will you will storm Ed Wensler's house. Yes. Burn that thing <laughs> down to the ground and build your own wood crest. Exactly. That's exactly. That's exactly. I always felt exactly like that it. that he was pointing at that because if you if you uh, what what was the show that Riley was where they basically did the Scarface plot? It was uh, the the fundraiser. The fundraiser. fundraiser. Hi, Riley was about that paper. <laughs> I don't give shit for free. Right, and he was about that paper. But look what he did. He he took over the whole candy. Selling market. market. (laughs) And you can look at the same thing and be like, this is exactly what we're doing with the weed industry. It is. is Exactly what's going on with marijuana. It's it's so relevant that that it's scary. And and, and the reason it needs to come back is because because every character on 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 these shows are dealing with a reality that we can all relate to, no matter what the era is, you know? And it's not only these shows. Like, a show show like... um, the Fresh Prince yeah. is another one, you yeah. know, a, a troubled youth moving in with a different family member because yeah. he has to do better in life right. and he has to better himself and become a man right. is a great one. Uh, another Blackish. Sh- Blackish. Blackish is one of my favorite because I'm looking at Blackish as almost like uh, a future telling of my life because I'm looking at the different struggles that Anthony Anderson and his wife in the show are going through with their kids, going off to college and raising black kids and having a son and wanting to know if they want to play football or not <laughs> because of the different issues. And these are all the issues that's like we're all going to have to face these and answer these questions 10 to 15 years from now. And it's crazy to watch a show almost from the perspective of I know I'm going to watch the show 10 years from now and be like, this was the most important revelation in my life. Because I do it with the spinoff Grownish. Because we were in college. And so the things that they're going through in college, I'm looking at it like, this is exactly what I went through. And I never had a show that could illustrate the black experience in college. Right. And that's where we get back to representation being so important. And the boondocks, we we need a show like that. And that's almost why I like the Sensei Setso show so much. Because we are almost a conversation form of the boondocks. Right. we are trying to look at our community from the right and the left side and be like, how can we be objective about our community? Because that's what it's difficult. Going back to our first conversation, <laughs> it's difficult for us to be objective about things we're passionate we're pas- about. Exactly. We're passionate about our communities and we're passionate about our gods. So it makes it very difficult for us to be objective when we're looking in these realms. So it's important for brothers like us and brothers like Aaron Magruder and sisters like Regina King to come together and do these things because 
these are the conversations our community needs to move forward. Right. Because I think about how much of the boondocks has helped us move forward to this point. It has. We need the next chapter. I- exactly. So let's try to go fund me or something. <laughs> and, it, and it's not the only one. There's there's plenty of shows that need to that need to work off that. Like Modern Family is a great one. Modern Family is such a diverse cast and their relationships with each other and that show is so is so crazy it relates to america where there's a melting pot of different people that might be in a similar household or might or might have extended a uh, mixed race or biracial family that they don't quite understand right. but the, now their families so they have to figure it out in 10 years that show is going to be revolutionary right you know like so it is important that especially in america that we understand the importance of portrayal in our media because our media can be fake news our media can be Trump on every station telling us something that we, you know, that, that we don't want to hear. Or it can be shows that have representation of society that's better, you know, of, of, of excellent teachers, of excellent athletes, of, of excellent mentors and kids not growing up in the streets, not, not fighting each other in elementary school, getting raped. The, you, know, you know drama. Hollywood loves drama. Right, right. But we need representation that shows better, that shows perseverance you know never let them tell you that representation is not important because it absolutely is because it inspires you and you sent me a song if you want to go ahead and cue this up because you even got your favorite character from the boondocks <laughs> on the cover <laughs> art of the next song we're about to play so if you want to cue it up for the folks we about to listen to some izzy smith what are we about to get into boondocks inspired track so imagine this this piece being cued uh as a part of a background for Boondock Season 5, finally the fight between Huey and Uncle Ruckus that we never really fully got to see. This track is called Zadawichi. Thank you. 
We back. Season six of the Sensei Said So Show. You just listen to another song, another track by Izzy Smith. This one, Boondocks Expired, was Zadoichi. Zadoichi, yes. Very interesting. And and Izzy, if you want to go ahead and give him a little bit background about that, about that track, because yeah. it, it's a special track and it has a lot of meaning behind it. Yeah, it's just it's it's kind of based on sort of the whole uh martial art thing that goes on in the boondocks because the creators were they love sort of martial arts anime and all that stuff and zadoichi is an actual uh character i believe he's an anime character right yeah yeah so he's a real martial arts uh i believe he's bushido i think he's like japanese martial arts if i'm not not mistaken (laughs) but he's but he's one of um uh, he's one of you he's um inspirations uh for why you got into martial arts in the first place it is and i and i did that track i thought to myself since we didn't get the real fight between uncle ruckus and huey that we should have gotten in the second that we should have gotten huey would have beat the brakes off of him he fought bushido brown and i was i was happy he did that right and i did that track to be like this is what this would the the real fight would sound like you know okay in between some cut scenes of something else going on (laughs) And if you want to go ahead and uh, let the listeners know where they can find your music, your your contact. Oh, so you can find me, um, Izzy Smith, on Instagram, um, I-Z-Z-Y-S-M-I-F-F on Instagram. You can also look up my band. We have a a Latin jazz fusion band, myself and and Jazzy Olivo, called The Mix. uh, And you can follow that at The Mix, The Band on Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud as well, I believe. We have some tracks up there. Uh, so yeah, we'll make sure we have all those descriptions on the website. So you just gotta click read more, mm-hmm. and then you can catch all of that to make sure you are staying plugged into the music that's going on in your community. Heard. Now we've talked a lot about different industries, whether it's religion, whether it's media, but all these things come back to business. Mm-hmm. Seems to be the overarching theme in everything done in America. Free market capitalism. Anybody here, but for our listeners overseas, I would love to hear if y'all have us on Instagram or Facebook, let us know what y'all think about capitalism. But our capitalism is entering a new avenue, a new venture, and it is the gang world. (laughs) So Shadow, you felt very passionate about this. I saw this when you posted it on your social media. So go ahead and queue up what's been going on with the Crips. And I was and I was a little surprised uh, when I put the when I put the question out of the support that people. But then again, just like Killer Mike did in the show, they said they'd buy it. They said whoop de whoop de whoop. And then when it came down to it, if they really would, they were like, "Well, are we gonna like, get hurt? Are we gonna?" You know, there, there's a lot of other outlying things. So for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, amidst all the the commotion around. Nipsey Hussle, the great Nipsey Hussle's assassination and and, and the aftermath of all that in, in the community. They are trying to file uh, L, the Crips, as in they, the Crips of America. Community <laughs> response in, in, progress. in progress. Yes, y'all. Blue to the death. Yep. So <laughs> the Crips are, yep, the Crips are trying to L, make the Crips an LLC. Turn turn their their gang into a brand. They're trying to LLC it. Okay. That being said, it's gonna make them a legal, legitimate business, able to do legal, legitimate business with other people, other entities, anybody 
professional athletes, figures. Like, they can do anything now with, with oh, this. John Wall finally <laughs> going to get his endorsement with the crew. You know, Russell Westbrook is waiting. And Russell Westbrook, like, hey, Dane might too. Dane might be so like, I'll yo. score 60 every game. <laughs> There's a couple of... <laughs> Marcus Smart might be like, look. <laughs> Y'all make a shoe, I'm, I'm on it. <laughs> but <laughs> that being said, Killer Mike did a example on his show no it wasn't an example he he did this he literally got the crips and did cola. got what was it four and blood pop and blood pop he he got about four or five of 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 his uh childhood friends that that he knew in the streets from uh, that are, that are affiliated with de whoop and convinced them to try and start a llc and and make a product and see how the world and the community responds to you guys. And the basis off it was this has already been done just with non-black criminal entities. Right. You look at the mafia and their different uh, legitimizations and them the glorification of mafia culture in mainstream America. You look at Hell's Angels. You can buy Hell's Angels T-shirts and mm-hmm. lanyards and <laughs> all types of Hell's Angels swag. <laughs> so now, the first time ever, we're seeing... A, black, a gang that is black trying to make the same jump. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, boy. Um, yeah, go for it. I mean, go for it. <laughs> I mean, I, well, let me let me preface it by saying this. It actually goes back to kind of what you were saying. We we glorify gangster culture in this country, our priority. I, I mean, I'll even admit one of my favorite films is The Godfather. But it's like... Not for the gangsterism, but it's the hidden wisdom within, you know, how these gangs operate. And if we go back to to the uh, the history of the Crips and what they originally were put in place for, I think it's apropos that they, you know, figure a way to collectivize and get behind something that might actually pull them up out of at least the economic side of right. of of what their situation their is right. to maybe they can get to a place to where they don't have to kill one each other <laughs> each for other some shoes <laughs> over, over, over Jordans. I mean, at least then they, we won't have it. We won't have the, the, and, the Nipsey hustle and, situation. Exactly. And I like that because, because I, I feel like it's been a long time coming that, yeah. that that's what I feel like it, this is. I feel like when they started, you know, the gang culture and, and all that, a couple of y'all should have went legal then. Yes. <laughs> a couple of y'all have should have went legit in '92 when y'all had gang members at the top of the charts. Right. <laughs> when the rap forms was in the, in the top of the goddamn charts, and and some were, you know, like, like Defro and NWA, you know, were, were affiliated and had had some suspect money coming through there, but they weren't gang members. That wasn't a gang. Right. That was a music group. Right. You know, right. Th- those weren't gang members. Those are artists that were just affiliated. With, with gang culture, you know? So that's the difference. It'd be different if if Snoop was in, uh, he's in uh, Death Row, but then he got a a shoe out or a bottle out called Crip Juice. Right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? And, and, that crip juice. And, it, and, it's, and it's affiliated through Crip. LLC, you know, now, even though that shit's still going on and whoop de whoop, the Crips are at least generating money through their community legally that isn't killing anybody that can spit back to the community. Now they have legal business dealings. And the reality of the situation is that's the answer because you see violence, you see 
crime in areas where there's lack of funds and opportunity. So by people going legal, what this is doing is creating funds and opportunity. Mm -hmm. You create opportunity because a legal LLC is going to need employees. And now your street soldiers become your street team. There you go. Your plug becomes your wholesaler. Mm. <laughs> and whatever you're doing, whether it's crip rulers or crip protractors or whatever the case may be, <laughs> you now have a situation where you're giving opportunities to the community and then now you're bringing money into the community. And what I love about this is we're finally, as a community, getting to the point where we're finding solutions. Yes. Because we've been on this podcast for many a season (laughs) just having (laughs) conversations, just trying to ask the right question. How do we do this? How do we get ourselves out of the situation Mm -hmm. we found ourselves in over and over again? And for the first time, 2018, 2019, things like, what Killer Mike did, the LLC of the Crips, and hopefully the Bloods follow suit. Mm-hmm. Shout out to the Latin Kings. If y'all want to do it too, <laughs> line the fuck up. But you also look at like what LeBron's doing with the school system where mm-hmm. it's now an all-inclusive, immersive situation where he's solving all the problems to the fact that, hey, I'm going to give you a bike just so you can run away from problems. We're going to give you all the tools to succeed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but I love that because it's now we're getting action in our community because for so long we've gone so far on the back of just hopes and prayers, going back to the conversation we had earlier. But faith without works is dead. Exactly. And I feel like we're finally hitting the age where the works are starting to come together in a way that it's going to move forward. Because we've tried. I'm not saying these things as any sort of judgment to the past because many people have tried to do this. And a lot of their shortcomings has not been because of them. We look at like Oklahoma and the situation with Black Wall Street. That has nothing to do with the people. We were trying to come up. We were trying to have the model minority experience that's always plastered around about how you guys should be more like the Asians. Well, we're about to. We're about to. <laughs> yes. But we're going to do it our way. Because one thing is free market capitalism is designed to see what the market gravitates to. Yes. And the good thing is, is we've done our market research for 32 years. <laughs> it, it connects. <laughs> we know the product will sell. And my, now we're finally going to sell the product. My only warning to that would be this. Because if you look at... The only time we get pushback as a community is when we start doing stuff like this, when we actually not not just pooling um, ingenuity, not just pooling black genius, but when you start pooling black dollars. Mm-hmm. See, when you have a hand, right now the black community is an open hand. Fingers spread out. And if I go to use that hand to strike my oppressor or if i go to like try to sh- to slap my oppressor in the face with an open hand he's not gonna feel that it's only when i draw the fingers together into a fist Thanos. and then <laughs> i throw some power behind that fist that when it hits it's gonna connect and the way that you you close that fist is you do start pooling black dollars you start putting um some financial uh money and where your mouth is, yeah. you start leveraging. Because imagine, <laughs> I just had this weird thought. Imagine this, if you will. What if the Crips wind up coming coming up with the term or coining the term for real, the real cryptocurrency? Ooh. What mm. if they figure out how to do that? You know, and wow. now they get paid every time. And what that if they then- figure out? What if they figure out how to do that on a level that's going to help? poor black people in the community to where they don't have to rely on food stamps no more. Right. A new system. 
the real mm. cryptocurrency. <laughs> that's great. And that, <laughs> that's that's amazing. You might have just you gave him that idea. <laughs> so anybody just saying, I'm just anybody saying. out there cripping, <laughs> go run this by y'all y'all y'all, y'all crypt uh, business I manager. Almost want, I almost want to edit that out because that's the greatest thing. Because <laughs> look at what the Nation of Islam was. They're they're Holy. doing no more than what the Nation of Islam was doing in the '60s. Right. It's, it's the same thing. Exactly. They're, they're they're just they're late. They're behind. But we you ha- you are only you are only a product of 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 your weakest uh, link. Yeah, you know? the team's you, you, only as strong the, as the team's only player. as strong as, as its weakest player. You know, the true. chain is only as strong as its weakest link. You know, right. for our community, we can only move as far as the people weighing us down will let us. Right. And the people weighing us down are are the thugs in the streets, the killers, the the. the Kids not in school. Because the fucking, that's where you know, they point the, out. When we have an educated brother, when they have Barack Obama as the president, you have people going, oh, he's just a gangster thug. Right. That's the thing that they use to weigh us down. So if the thing that they're trying to use to weigh <laughs> us down. If the gangster thugs are business help, owners, if the dropouts got businesses. <laughs> what y'all got to say now? Where are we left? <laughs> where are the holes in our community now? And at that point, we move. We're the fist. Yeah, we've had the the backpack, we've had the political, but now we need the streets because mm-hmm. the streets is black community. We can't change that. What we can do is we can motivate, inspire, and, and use it. that. <laughs> you can patent. <laughs> you can patent the because streets. that's what's been done on our behalf without us reaping the benefits for so long. Ain't nobody buy blue and red bandanas, but <laughs> gangsters. Yet somehow. That fucking that business is still around. Yeah. And, and let me ask you guys this before we before yeah. we wrap up the whole show: What product do you think that they could come out with that's gonna that's gonna sell? It's gonna quit. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the, the uh, your copyright idea is a good one. Copyright brings you money. They they yeah. could trademark copyright that term and. And do it from there. I mean, but, it's out there, but just think about how that would look. Yeah, reali- yeah. realistically, they would they would need a product. Right. I think know? every crypt need every crypt. Every crypt. <laughs> every crypt needs to get their chiropractor and start becoming masseuses oh my and God. stuff like that. Hey, crypt no mo. <laughs> Are you cripple? Come to crypt no mo. <laughs> oh my God. A crip in the neck, man. Like. <laughs> A crip in the night. <laughs> I, I seriously think that if they, uh, to kind of answer your question honestly, if they... They can't do shit during the night, though. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't letting y'all deliver no, a no, damn no, thing no, at no, night. No, 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 no. But if they really figure a way to get behind Nipsey's model yes. of putting businesses where they yes. live, you know, building shoes. Like, first of all, let me, because I just had this thought and I just wanted to throw this out there. You know, we talk about gangsters and we talk about gang banging and what our community considers that to be. But when you, again, if you study the film, like films like The Godfather, what you learn is the real gangsters you never see because they operate. you talking about the red and blue bandanas. Right now it's red and blue ties in Washington. Yep. Cutting the deals, carving this country up. They're not necessarily Crips and Bloods, but they do the same things that Crips and Bloods are 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 accused of doing. Gutting the country. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gutting the property. Gutting the people. Battling <laughs> against each other. And they both and they got red and blue ties. That's how you can tell the difference between a Democrat and a Republican. Right. What tie they got on. So if they ever figure out a way to 
just so into their community to coexist. T-shirts and and go back to what their original terms meant. Blood meant one blood, one family, one community. One yeah, you know, Crip meant community resistance in progress. Right, officer. Right. <laughs> the nation of Islam. The nation of Islam was to bring everybody. If they together, go back that to that, if they go back to that, community resistance in progress. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be on par with the "I can't breathe" T-shirt. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they, they didn't. They didn't start off as as violent gangs. You know, they started yeah. off as projects and groups trying to better their community. But it's hard to have a moral fight when you're hungry, like and, you were saying. And, and earlier. that's the thing. And when that's you're the starving, thing. when you're trying to make do, it's hard to fight the moral fight. Yeah, and and this is and this is my thing because. Your trademark, your trademark idea is good because that's essentially what they're trying to do. They're trying to trademark Nipsey Hussle's "The Marathon Continues." Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not quite sure if like they're if they're gonna use that like "The Marathon Continues" right. to in like their product or if they just want that slogan to be synonymous with Crips so that mm-hmm. you know n- you know it's no longer synonymous with Nipsey it's synonymous with what Nipsey was involved in you know bigger than him himself whatever they do th- whatever they do that has got to give them the license to print money <laughs> oh my god <laughs> like that <That's> they, <laughs> that is what all of us really is okay. I mean we talking about the crib but that really that's what all of us are trying to do on some level is find a way to give us a license to print money mm. out of thin air I don't even think we need to print money cuz the black community for our percent uh, for our percentage in the in the community and in the population in America our buying power is crazy in the our billions and the trillions huge. but the problem we is, love is blowing checks we don't keep our money <laughs> So I love right. what the Crips are doing. I love what the Bloods are doing. I love what we're doing. I love mm-hmm. what anybody is doing because all of this is just many hands trying to keep the money in our own community. Because if we can get our money to circulate, that's how we start moving. It comes and it goes. It comes in, it goes to Rolls Royce. It comes in, it goes to Versace. <laughs> exactly. Now if it can come in, go to the Crips, come back to the community, go to the Bloods, come back to the community, <gasps> go to this, come back, yes. go to the black schools, mm-hmm. go to a uh, Vinnie Cassius has a barbershop, so we're going to yeah. go support his barbershop because he cut his dreads. <laughs> <laughs> like That's how we start bouncing the money back and forth. That's how we start playing ping pong with our own money, and it never leaves. Exactly. Well, that starts with uh, the first, like, but again, let's break down what the term crip means. It starts with that first letter, C. In order for that to happen, you got to start with the idea of community. Social responsibility. We got it. We as black people have to get to the place where we value each other as members of the community and actually trust one another to hold a dollar. Trust. Exactly. I got to give you a dollar and then not have the presupposition in my mind that you're going to go and do something with that dollar other than what I entrusted it with you or i gotta look at you and say because you are my brother you are worth this whole dollar not you're my brother so you worth 60 cents how about that exactly so we gotta how about that (laughs) so we gotta so so we gotta take an oath and and do better in our communities and 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 uphold and and keep the dollar and the wealth in our our own communities and i'm speaking for everybody not just the black community i'm speaking for all of the communities out there okay everybody no matter what creed color walk of life you are your best interest is 
to keep your community prosperous. Okay, so we gonna go to a quick uh, musical break right before we get. Don't uh, buy my RBG <laughs> T-shirt right now. Yeah, yeah but before before we get, we, well, we gonna send Izzy away on the outro. So actually, we'll send him, we'll send them away right now, and then we'll do the outro. So Izzy, if you have anything else you wanna you wanna tell Please the people, the any people any messages, any anything that you hit 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 us up, Izzy Smith, and the mix of the band on our our social media platforms, uh, and. Remember, I will leave you all with the words of Bruce Lee. Under the sky and under the heaven, there is but one human family. And we appreciate having you. It was it was it was great to have him. So when we come back from this break, thanks for having me. (laughs) Hopefully, it won't be the last time. No, it won't. Bienvenidos a la Sensei Setsu Show. Mi nombre es Vicente, your Sensei. Oh my God. Yeah, we getting cultured here on the Sensei <laughs> Setsu Show. Welcome back for y'all who are gringo and don't know. <laughs> the song you heard was The For Real Though by Izzy Smith, Ooh. who we are so blessed to have on the show. Yeah, he was... really ju- dropped some gems. Knowledge. 
I'm but my vision. He educated me. My on, vision on board just got. You know how I am. You know how I take ideas and I marinate, meditate, vision board them. My vision board just got crazy. Yeah. He just gave me the new the new piece, the new Africa that I'm <laughs> so, yes. I want. He will for sure. He will for sure be back. <laughs> for sure. So. so this was a. This is exactly how I wanted to kick off season six. This yeah. is a perfect way. We went a little bit longer, but we had to had because to. the show is. And I don't want to sound too pretentious when I say this, but w- just hearing what you guys have to say about the show, it seems like you guys find what we do important. Mm-hmm. And I think what we do is important. And w- what Izzy said and what who he is and what he stands for is what this show is. So we're going to continue to bring guests like him and him on. Yes. And we're going to continue this Sensei Said So thing going because it is important. Push the envelope. We're going to keep pushing the, the topics, keep pushing the culture, keep pushing the norms in society. So make sure you guys stay tuned in. Go tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend to tune in. Because I feel like at this point, we're validating (laughs) y'all. For all the people that supported us, for the people that were on season one sharing it when nobody knew what we were doing, we want to give you guys validation. When we get this syndication... For in Australia, we celebrate because this is a celebration for y'all who were with us from the beginning mm. when we were first starting to talk about mar- legal marijuana and stuff like that in the city. Now, two years later, all the stuff now. we've talked about is now happening. So hopefully the stuff we just talked about on this show. This podcast and- is going to help me win mayor election. I'll let y'all know that hey, right now. We will- <laughs> We are going to get into politics. The, the subject matter that I'm talking to you now, I've been on it since since season two. <laughs> Mayor Shadow and Sensei the Senator. That is season 12 of the Sensei yes. Said So Show. So until then, keep supporting the Sensei Said So Show, and I will be your Sensei forever. Vio Sensei, 36 Dread Kage at a music clan, 10th Tribe of Wakanda, giving you that content for your soul and your needs. When you know I'm like a ghost in the night, so you might not see me too much, but it's Shadow the Gold Tooth villain, leader of the Water Nation. Pull your double cups up two times, man, and pull that 36 up. Take a sip. Sit back and just enjoy. Let that one marry.